welcome to a special Off the Books episode review. That's right. Yeah, with this, Nick Gunning. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Eric Nichols, but Nick's the one doing the review. That's true. In in the heart of of isolation, I I felt compelled to go back and rewatch the 2009 direct to DVD <laughs> animated. Green Lantern First Flight starring Christopher Maloney as Hal Jordan. Eric, and Michael Madsen. Is, who's that? Who's he playing? He's a... Uh, he's, uh, oh, wow. I Kilowog. Is he? Okay. Michael Madsen. The, I mean, I guess you might know him for, as the dad from Free Willy, but huh. he's from some Quentin Tarantino films as well. It's a, he's it's got a, that voice. It's a pretty good cast all around. You got yeah. Victor Garber as Sinestro. You got John Larroquette as Tomari. It, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty solid cast. I do not have good memories of this from the first time were you a fan the first time around no i thought it was kind of uh middle of the road yeah it was early on it was early on in the in the dc movies back at a time where they were doing something other than just batman um this this was one of the early ones and it was pretty promising because up to that point i want to say that was the most high profile green lantern thing we'd ever seen that sounds right outside of like him showing up on justice league yeah the the only thing where he was a title character outside of the comics would be like 1960s filmation type yeah this kind of felt like the time where they were trying to introduce people to certain things via the animated properties yeah and then they would make the live action movie because it feels like first flight is like get primed because we're gonna do a live action one now Yeah. yeah so yeah, so I and I had never gone back and rewatched it because of the feeling that I'd had with it, but uh after after the Inglehart interview and all the stuff that we'd been doing, I really had gotten back into Green Lantern quite a bit and figured, you know, quarantine, what what better time to to rewatch a movie and then talk about it by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one asked. No one asked for me to That's uh, true. to review this movie, but I was happy to oblige anyway. So, let's do it. All right. Because no one asked me to do this, I thought it would be really fun to review the film Green Lantern First Flight. This movie came out in 2009, and I saw it for the first time in 2009, and I haven't really thought of it since. It's just one of those ones that it came out, and I was like, yeah, that happened. And I didn't so much care about it at the time. I actually remember thinking it was a little bad, but every once in a while I I get into a big Green Lantern kick. Probably the first big time that happened would be when Eric and I were trying to read through the Blackest Night DC collection, and the way DC puts these trades out doesn't doesn't really make a lot of sense because it will just follow one particular uh, run. So you're reading all the Green Lantern Corps, even though the story really goes like Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern, you know, Red Lantern, whatever. They bounce all around, but the trades don't reflect that. So uh, Eric and I were working together in a library, a different library at the time, and so we decided to just interlibrary loan all of the all of the possible Blackest Night collections. And then find a list online of how they should be read, and then just sit in a circle and pass each other hardcover books, uh, so we could read through this story. So that was that was kind of the kickoff of um, when I was really like getting into and reading Green Lantern, and I stick with, I stuck with that for a while, and then just sort of fell away from it because it's hard to follow. There's so many titles, and they interconnect with each other in ways that can be cool, but also can be very off-putting if you're trying to read the story. So. Uh, more recently than that, though, Eric and I were getting ready to interview Steve Englehart for the podcast, and so I was reading, really, we were talking to him about Batman Day. Uh, we were talking about his uh, his Strange Apparitions run on Batman, which is so cool. If you haven't read it, go and read it. But 
I was looking at the DC app trying to see what other things he had written. And I actually had read some of his Green Lantern already just in uh, single issues as a kid forever ago. But I went through and just read the whole thing, like all the issues that he has. And that's a really cool run because it's really the first time that you take Jon Stewart and, and bring him to the forefront. In the comics, Hal had stepped away and so there was a big hole in the Green Lantern Corps. And... John Stewart comes forward as basically Hal's sub. He comes in. Guy is off in a hospital somewhere, and he, he can't do it. So John Stewart comes in. And Inglehart was the one who was like, this should be the intergalactic police force that uh, we always say it is. Like We should see that. And so what he did was really fill out that cast, so much so that as Hal comes back, uh, the story changes from just the straight Green Lantern title, and the numbering picks up with a new book called Green Lantern Core, and that lasts for you know another thirty issues or something like that. The whole run is really cool. You know, at the time, like Hal Jordan was really the only game in town when it came to a Green Lantern. Of course, you had Alan Scott in the Golden Age, you know, fifty years before that, but uh, it was really just Hal at that point, and he took John Stewart and made him such a compelling character that when I was reading it, uh, I knew how it was eventually going to come back, but I didn't want it. I was like, no, no, no. I, I'd much rather hear about like what the heck Jon Stewart has going on than like more of this like stupid love story between Hal and Carol Ferris, which when Inglehart stops writing it, it does sort of revert to that, and, and that's a shame. But that's a really good run. It's weirdly collected. Some of it is collected. Some of it isn't. And so I read some in trades. Some is available on the DC app. Most of it is. But there's a big chunk that just isn't. It's like 15, 20 issues of this aren't available. So I actually had to track down old school single issue comics and read the read it that way. But it's definitely worth it. So if you're a Green Lantern fan, I would say go and check out the Inglehart run. I also really like Jeff Johns' run. War of the Green Lanterns was one that I particularly enjoyed. But really that whole run is a lot of fun. And it does get away from him a little bit. And it becomes a little repetitive in that, like, everything is a, is a giant, giant event. And it got away from individual storytelling, which was, you know, kind of a shame. But still, that's a cool run. And, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you how much I liked this Star Trek Green Lantern uh, crossover. There's two volumes of that, and it's, like, weirdly good. If you listen to the podcast at all, you know what a sucker I am for crossovers. It manages to, like bring both worlds together in a really satisfying way and it also feels like you know it becomes permanent it's not usually these crossovers are like a one and done thing like batman hangs out with the ninja turtles and he's like okay i'm going back to my world but in this one really like they're all marooned together and now going forward like the enterprise and hal jordan are just going to be friends so it is two volumes super cool not the reason why we're here today uh, i thought just in time for the 11th anniversary of the initial release of Green Lantern First Flight. What better time? What better time to sit down and talk about this movie? So, I, I like I said, I watched this when it first came out. This was at a time when uh, the, the DC animated movies were still pretty new. I mean, you had Superman Doomsday. You had um, uh, New Frontier. You had Wonder Woman. And then Green Lantern. Uh, maybe I'm missing one in there. I don't remember. But the point is, they were all really exciting because each one was its own thing. You know, there, there was no continuity. Uh, they were in different styles. Like, New Frontier is really cool because it's in Darwin Cook's style and has has a sleek 50s feel to it, which is which is really cool. So I was anticipating these. And, uh, you know, back when, like, physical media was cool, I was pre-ordering these and, and, like, I couldn't wait to watch them. So I watched Green Lantern First Flight having been a... a a Green Lantern fan, but he certainly wasn't top tier for me. I don't know, it left me cold. I was like, whatever. And I never really had an urge to revisit it. 
And only now, when we're all trapped in our homes, uh, did I think, you know, may maybe I should maybe I should give that another shot. I mean, I have it. I have it on Blu-ray sitting on my shelf, uh, collecting dust for the, the better part of a decade now. So uh, it was here and it was readily available. And so I popped it in. After doing, like I said, a deep dive into Englehart's run and then continuing on after that and reading all of the uh, new 52 Green Lantern, which is pretty sloppy, but cool things do happen. So I would say that's one of the few titles in New 52 that is probably worth the read. I think that the Rebirth stuff so far, you focus on two new Green Lanterns in a, in a title called Green Lanterns, and then you focus on Hal in the book called Hal, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Both are decent, neither one has really captured my attention, but I have been reading a ton of Green Lantern, and so uh, I popped in the movie. So let's talk about it a little bit. I was surprised by how quickly we get to it. Like I said, the movie that had come out maybe two before this, uh, New Frontier, is also a, a Green Lantern origin story, or at least you see that. Uh, and there you have, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, David Boreanaz as Hal Jordan, uh, Green Lantern. And he does a nice job. And I really like New Frontier. So if you haven't seen it, I recommend going to see it. But that did a lot of Obinser's ship crashing and Hal getting the ring and what does this mean and blah, blah, blah. You know, all of that happens. And so I think in this movie, they were just kind of like, you know, you know, and then they move on, which I wish more movies would avoid giving us the whole origin because like, yes, Spider-Man was bit. We understand this movie. The cast is actually really good. I, I remembered I remembered that about it, that I that I at least like the voice cast, but it was really strong. Uh, you have Christopher Maloney, probably most prominently known from uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit as Hal. And he's good. I mean, he has he has a he has a confidence and sort of a cockiness in his voice that works really well for Hal. Uh, the standout to me though was Victor Garber as Sinestro. I mean, he really he really nails it. And he it's a you know it's a fine line with Sinestro because you don't want him to be too smarmy, but he needs to have that. You know, he needs to be smart. You need to tell that you need to be able to tell that he can he can work this political system, but he's also like ruthless and has this strength which. You know, I wouldn't have said like, oh, you know who'd be a great Victor Garber, but weirdly, um, I really thought he was the standout because he he's just excellent. He he really he really gets it where you understand why people would be taken in by Sinetro's whole thing, and why Hal trusts him, and also why he's able to sort of ferret it out. So Victor Garber's bringing a lot to the table, which is usually true of Victor Garber. I don't know if I would say that that's super true on uh, Legends of Tomorrow, but. On other things, you know, Victor Garber is usually pretty reliable, so he's great as Sinestro here. We have Kurtwood Smith as Kanjaro. So Kurtwood Smith, uh, you probably would know from that '70s show, uh, or he's also done a lot of Star Trek. He's the uh, he's the Federation president in uh, Star Trek VI. That's two Star Trek mentions so far, if you're keeping count. But uh, he, he's a pretty solid Kanjaro too. It's a it's a weird voice because his voice is. I, I guess I, it just feels comedic to me. It doesn't feel particularly like weighted and strong, but you know, for what Kanjaro has to do in here, I think he I think he's pretty good. And even the supporting cast, I don't really think there was a whiff in there. Uh, Trisha Helfer's in there uh, as one of the Green Lanterns. She does a good job. Olivia Diabo is uh, uh, Carol Ferris, and that's that's more of a cameo than anything else. But uh, pretty solid voice cast. So I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the start of the movie. Uh, the score is actually really good. So because I've read so much Green Lantern recently, I like to have a playlist that sort of matches what I'm reading. Uh, and so I've been uh, I've been listening to the First Flight score actually quite a lot because it's it's readily available. And I think it's much better than the uh, the James Newton Howard score of the 
Ryan Reynolds movie, which we might talk a little bit about later. But this this score to this is actually really good. It's it's really uh, it's intense, but it also uh, there's enough going on that you can just listen to it dry without seeing the uh, seeing the episode to know what's going on. Sometimes with scores, you know, you have like three minutes of almost dead silence, and then like bum 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 bum. That's not what this is. Uh, so it's, it's pretty good. You, you can find this, you know, wherever you get music. So so give it a listen because I, I do really enjoy it. Let's talk about the plot in this little movie. So like I said, by the time the, the credits roll, we're done with the origin story. So Obinser's crashed. Hal is uh, testing something out at, at uh, Ferris Air. And his test ship gets like pulled to where Obinser is. And then boom, bang, you know, he's got the ring and that's it. So I actually appreciated that, but was surprised because I remembered this as a Green Lantern origin movie. And it's really not. I mean, it's really more about like the early days of him being in the core. Uh, after the credits, and it's cool opening credits too, if you care about that. The, the opening credits are pretty solid. But um, we get there and right away people are not super cool with Hal just being suited up and being a Green Lantern because um, at least in this in this version of it, it's odd that the ring would have transferred to him without any kind of oversight and that suddenly there he is imbued with all the power. So right away, they're like, mm, not comfortable with this. Well, Kilowog calls him a poozer, which I think legally uh, he's obligated to do. So that happens. And the Guardians are like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So why don't you give us the ring and we'll find the right person, which I thought was a pretty big departure from the comics that, that they can just sort of do that. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just like take the ring off and give it to someone else. That's not really how it works in in any other thing. So, I mean, if if, if you're uh, if, if you're concerned about that sort of thing, that is a departure, uh, and I didn't like it. So, you know, so they're basically going to bounce Hale back to Earth, and Sinestro pops up and all his like Victor Garber grandiose, and he's like, no, 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 I will train the boy, uh, a la Star Wars. And so he does. He takes him under his wing. And basically, Sinestro, Sinestro's views of humans are that, you know, humans aren't going to follow the rules and he's going to be a maverick, you know. So Sinestro sort of thinks that Hal's going to be down with whatever Sinestro has going on, which we learn pretty quickly. We're moving into spoilers here. So if you don't want the 2009 direct-to-video animated film Green Lantern First Flight to be spoiled, um, you know, go on. We learn pretty quickly that Sinestro, here it is, is up to no good. Is up to no good. And Hal, as shrewd as he is, figures it out very quickly. And even though he's not one to really embrace the rules, he's pretty quickly uneasy of Sinestro, which I think is nice too. I think it gives Hal a little bit of agency that he's not just sort of, you know, a jerk who's like, yeah, I got a ring. You know, he's paying attention, which is cool. So so basically, Sinestro thinks that Hal's going to be down with the, the crap that he has going on. And we start to learn a little, learn a little bit more about just what Abin Sur was doing and how he happened to uh, wind up where he did and, and what got him there. We learned that he'd been undercover. So Abin Sur is undercover on Kanjar Ro's ship, trying to find the stolen yellow element and is murdered in the process of that basically i mean he escapes with uh, enough steam just to get to get to earth and then the ring passes to hal but he is murdered and sinestro had been investigating the murder and so hal as sinestro's new protege is part of that too so hal gets gets taken along on there so all right now things now things really start to get heavy hal and sinestro catch up to kanjaro and right away hal is not 
super comfortable with what's happening because Sinestro is being pretty open about the fact that he thinks the Guardians are stupid and and that they've made the Green Lantern Corps uh, weak. And Sinestro's not about that because uh, in the comics, you know, Sinestro enslaved his, his whole planet for their own good. So that that's what we're dealing with. And, and right away, Hal's like, nah, I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't like this. But in a little scuffle on Kanjaro's ship, Hal is knocked unconscious. And so Sinestro and Kanjaro have a whole thing where Sinestro is trying to force Kanjaro to tell him where Quart is because that is where this yellow element is. And Sinestro wants that power so that he can do what the Guardians should have done, according to him, and police the galaxy in a way that he sees fit. Uh, Kanjaro is not willing to play ball. And so Sinestro just murders him. Pretty much because... Kanjaro backs him to a corner a little bit where he's like, I mean, yeah, you can bring me in, but I'll just tell everyone, you know, I'll just, I'll just out you and then everybody will know that, uh, that you're the problem here. And so Sinestro doesn't really have any choice, but I also don't really think he has any qualms about killing Kanjaro. And so zip, uh, he kills him. Hal is unconscious, luckily. When Hal wakes up, he and Sinestro sort of have it out and Sinestro uh, no longer trusts Hal and realizes that instead of being uh, you know, a protege and somebody who would like embrace Sinestro's vision and help him with it. Hal is now an obstacle and then becomes a really convenient uh, scapegoat because he takes it back and is, tells the Guardians like, yeah, this uh, Earth guy just killed Kanjaro. And so the Guardians, the, the wisest, most benevolent force in the galaxy are like, yeah, that sounds right. And so they, they take Hal's ring and he's stuck. He's basically just stuck there and they're like, yeah, we'll figure out a taxi or whatever. But uh, uh, you're stuck here for now. Well, other Green Lanterns have also been a little a little concerned about Sinestro. Not not so much that it's a thing that's openly discussed, but when this happens, uh, particularly Kilowog and Boudicca are like, mm, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. And so they talk to Hal. Hal tells them what happens. It's all very believable. And they're like, yeah, okay, uh, let's figure this out. So Hal, Kilowog, and Boudicca are trying to trying to ferret out what's going on with Sinestro and trying to prove that this is happening. Meanwhile, in the weirdest, darkest moment of this movie, Sinestro goes to the morgue where Kanjaro's dead body is. And his whole, like, innards are exposed and everything. Like, Kanjaro is dead, as dead as a doornail. And... Sinestro uses his ring, and this is iffy, this is real iffy, uses his ring to reconnect synapses in his brain so that he can get information from Kanjaro. So Kanjaro is like, I'm cold, what is this? You know, all like Jacob Marley. And Sinestro basically is like, yeah, I killed you, you're dead, now be a good little boy and tell me where Quart is. And so he uses Kanjaro's, like, I don't know, like zombie brain to to uh, enable his uh, device, which puts out a big map and shows Sinestro where Quart is. So he's Gonzo, goes to Quart, pretty quickly gets to the yellow power source, which is what he's been looking for the whole time. Because as all good Green Lantern fans know, the rings at this point are weak to yellow and yellow's a problem for the Green Lantern Corps. So the opposite of the, of the green power, the yellow power will be the thing that will take them out. So he gets there and pretty quickly convinces the Weaponers to give him a yellow ring and a battery and uh, hops to it. I mean, he just uh, he doesn't really waste any time. He heads right back to Oa, takes his giant green battery. No one is expecting this, which I think is weird because they're all they're all looking for. The, I mean, they know that there's a yellow object in play. I mean, they, they know that this this is 
They know that this is what Abenter's mission was and everything. So the fact that they have no contingencies for what if the yellow power attacks us does not speak to the Guardian's wisdom. But that's that's the way it is. So Sinestro comes with a giant uh, power ring and a giant battery and takes the yellow battery to the green battery and just destroys it. So there's a little fight to begin with, you know, there's, but Sinestro is just so like hopped up on yellow power that he pretty handily beats all of them and takes that yellow battery, levels the green battery. And now all of the, all of the green lanterns who've been flying around Oa, flying around the perimeter of Oa are, um, there to, to fight him, but they, they lose connection. They lose power and they all start to fall. So they're they're plummeting towards Oa, uh, and the Guardians decide to help them. You know, finally the Guardians are like, yeah, I think we should do something about this. And so they go in and they start, you know, using their little Guardian powers to catch them and lower them down. And they saved all of, most of those people. You see a couple of rings flutter down and they're like, oh no, oh crap. So they're nervous about that. And then it rains green power rings. And Sinestro's like, yeah, you saved these like 15 that are right here on the planet. But what about all the people who are in deep space with nothing? They're done for. And so a shower of rings comes down, which is also pretty dark. But I still think reanimating Kanjaro's uh, organ-exposed corpse is the darkest part of this movie. But this is also pretty dark. And this is another part that I take issue with because killing the battery should not drain the power of the rings, you know? Like, they're all charged. If you destroy your your battery charger, your double A's don't instantly, like, recognize this and fall over dead. No. So I don't think that these Green Lanterns would have had a problem until their next charge, but okay. So they're all, they're all falling down. Uh, all these rings are falling down, and people are like, oh, this is bad. Meanwhile, uh, Hal has used this opportunity to get his ring back. Also iffy. I guess the Guardians sort of re-bestow upon him a ring, so fine, he has it, uh, and that's fine. He's going through where the battery was and is digging through rubble, and he finds a little shard of the of the green power source and is like, you know, don't you die on me, banging on it. And he gets a little bit of a spark in it, and he takes his ring and just boom, right on it. And then he's supercharged. He, he becomes like huge and all green and is basically like the embodiment of the green energy at this point and he uh gets in a, in a pretty big rumble with sinestro it's a pretty good ending battle because they're both uh super juiced up and like ready to fight like these two are ready to fight each other and so um they beat the ever-loving crap out of each other hal eventually gets the upper hand it's a construct war hal knocks him down to the planet where kilowog is waiting and crushes sinestro's hand and also crushes the yellow ring and balance is restored. Hooray! So the remainder of uh, the Green Lanterns who are there come together. They pretty much deputize Hal on the spot. They do the classic Green Lantern pledge. And then Hal's like, boy, this is going to be quite a commute to my other job at Ferris Air. <laughs> and then he flies off and credits roll. I have to say, I was pretty pleasantly surprised with that rewatch. Uh, I, I didn't go into it with high expectations, but I ended up walking away thinking that it was actually a really good representation of the characters overall. Uh, stellar voice cast, just across the board, I think the voice work was all really good. I like the designs for the most part. Uh, some of the weaknesses, I think, come through in the background designs, especially when Hal and Sinestro are visiting some of these alien worlds. The alien 
background characters are, are really underdeveloped and even some of the ones that they interact with feel kind of like a first draft animation wise so that stands out to me as a weakness and here and there you see some things where you think mm, they could have spent a little bit more time on that but i think overall when you consider the the, the voice cast the storytelling and that great score it's a pretty solid green lantern movie and one that i think deserves a, a rewatch as far as green lantern representations in, in these animated movies i think i would probably still give it to emerald knights I prefer Nathan Fillion as Hal Jordan. I think he just has the the cockiness and the likability down a little bit better than Chris Maloney in this movie. That also gives you a, a broader look at the whole Green Lantern core, which is nice. It takes you through little vignettes featuring different uh, cast, a different cast of characters from the Green Lantern core. So that I think is a more full picture, and it is just a lot of fun. But uh, I'm I'm glad that I went back and revisited this one because you know. Now I like it. Now now I have a more positive feeling about it and could recommend it to people. So if you want to watch it, it's available on the DC Universe app. And you can come and check it out from the David A. Howe Public Library. Thanks for tuning in to this uh, special review that no one asked for. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Hey, Nick. Yes. Sweet review. Thank you, man. Did it with, with the time that has gone since you've reviewed it? Do yeah. you do you still feel that way? You know, I honestly, I I feel fine about it. I yeah. I think it's like I said. I think that I think the soundtrack is pretty great. Uh, and I I had a good time with this movie. It was a little darker than I remembered. It had it had mm. more going for it. Uh, I do remember the moment very well where Sinestro shows up with his lantern, and is it Tomarie? Somebody's like Sinestro. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like, oh no. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, it it does manages to have some weight to it. I stand by that. There's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of cheapness to some of the designs. Some of the backgrounds don't really feel uh, even even as full as some of the later DC animated movies. But right. I, honestly, I, I yeah, I'm still glad that I rewatched it because I feel like um, you know I feel like it was worth it. Has this encouraged you? to consider going back to to rewatch this movie. I, I probably give it a rewatch. Gosh, if it came out in 2009, that probably means I haven't seen it since yeah. 2009 or 10. Yeah. Probably 2010. Yeah. I, so, I, did, yeah. We, did we watch this together? Yeah. We did. Okay. I think we watched it both the first time together. I think we did Like, too. we watched three of them in one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'd seen it since. So, yeah, it, yeah it, was, it was... I'm glad that I went back. I still have... Uh, good feelings about emerald knights but i haven't watched that in a long time either. oh emerald knights so, is great yeah yeah that's that's a good one that makes you want more of the uh like there's that character whose name i can't remember now the the woman with like the the red hair and the cool battle with her like father and everything uh in emerald knights and i'm like where is this character in the hmm. comics hmm. but anyway yeah yeah, I, I I remember positive things about that one, but now what if I have the reverse? What if I go back and watch it? And I'm like, oh, this is bad. oh this is yeah, what if? But I don't know. Maybe you should watch that one and you do a review, and then Emerald Knights. You know, we marry. We I, I really do like Emerald Knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do too. If you All had right. to choose one Green Lantern thing, be it comic storyline, uh, oh, movie snap. or animated, where would you go for? Because I don't I, think anything has topped uh, the Sinestro Core War for me. Okay, were you? Um, that's probably, that's probably a safe bet, but I do really like those, uh, those 70s Englehart where he introduces Jon Stewart. I really like that. Sure, run. yeah. I really like that yeah. run quite a bit. And I think the Cartoon Network series is really good. I think that's probably... That's true. That, like, 26 episodes, yeah. real good. That was too bad that it got 
yeah, shut down after that. I think that's probably the most full picture you get of like the Green Lantern world. I think that's really top notch. With the so. core, yeah, you get to see all the different. So I might uh, even I might even lean in that direction, but yeah, I think Emerald Knights is a because it's only like it's less than ninety minutes. So yeah. that's a pretty quick go through of like a lot of the different characters. Yeah, and that's that twenty six. Really, it's like an anthology. You get you get yeah. different little bits. Yep. But yeah, that uh, it's just called Green Lantern. The uh 26 episode show yeah. that was, that was really good it got better as it went along mm-hmm. it's, it's sick. so once once it sort of filled out that mythology and gave you a little bit more depth to the characters but yeah, yeah i think that's probably where i'd put it if you were going to sit down and watch something i think i would say that but emerald knights is right up there too so i kind of felt that like af- after the sinestro core war in the comics a lot of the stories were trying to oh yes Trying, replicate trying to, that yeah trying to recapture that magic yeah bottle. blackest yes. night and all this other stuff it was um well a, a lot of it was just like yeah before before sinestro core war you had just like a more episodic take on on green lantern once sinestro core war hit every every 10 to 15 issues you're leading towards a big epic thing you know i think mm-hmm. that really that really changed the landscape of how you tell a green lantern story after that so and, but it does a great job it's really good at it so you know yeah yep i think it's a solid choice all right that's going to do it for this green lantern tinged off the books episode of the all the books show we'll see you next Woo! time